64, and if only you would tear apart the sky and come down, the mountains would tremble before you. As when fire ignites dry wood or fire makes water boil, <clears throat> let your adversaries know who you are, and may the nations shake at your presence. When you performed awesome deeds that took us by surprise, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard or perceived and no eye has seen any God besides you who intervenes for those who wait for him. You assist those who delight in doing what is right who observe your commandments. Look, you were angry because we violated them continually. We said, how then can we be saved? We all are like one who is unclean. All our so-called righteousness has been as filthy rags in your sight. We all wither like a leaf and our sins have carried us away like the wind who has invoked your name or made an effort to take hold of you. We've tasted rejection. You've even handed us in this nation over to our own sins. But yes, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. You're my father. Even still, I call you father. I call you Abba. You're my God. Mm. Oh, you're faithful, Lord. Eternally faithful. Eternally my God. Eternally Elohim. Eternally El Shaddai. Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Mighty are you, Lord. Oh, my soul will exalt the Lord. Oh, Greatly, greatly to be praised. Great are you, Lord. Majestic are you, Lord. Oh, I lift you up, Father. Oh, 
You're the faithful one and true. Glorious are you, Lord. Magnify the Lord with me. All you saints, magnify the Lord. Magnify the Lord. With every heart that you have, El Shaddai, El Shaddai Adonai, oh, El Shaddai, and El Shaddai Adonai, you are faithful, you are faithful and true. Faithful and true. She a lady bidding Ambule Alada. Here by Lande de Ruelle de Lada. You are faithful and true. Oh, most holy. Oh, most holy. Oh, oh most holy.
This morning to this morning is blessed and honor the Scrock family who were in this house for how many years? A lot. A lot. Twenty years. Now remember, years ago, and I think it was '09, I was over and I was invited on the other side of this wall into a pastor's meeting, and um, I was in a, a Nazarite vow, and I remember looking across the table, and there's like probably 10 pastors sitting there just worshiping the Lord and praying that God would change our city and like, you know, build a corporate anointing. And we have been so blessed by Asheville City Center and under Sergio's leadership to be brought back here in a way is a beautiful, beautiful foundation laying that happened all these years. And I remember sitting across there uh, at the table and Steve was right uh, in front of me and I was taken into a vision. I, I, I know you might think this, but I'm not really given to visions. I mean, I don't see visions normally. And, um, and all of a sudden my eyes are open up and I see all these pastors and they're all dressed in like, um, like medieval uh, garb and and um, helmets. And I look over at Steve, and he's got on a um, like shoulders that are like this big, you know, and this big helmet. And there's blood all over the helmet, and his blood all over the pads. And he's just saturated in the blood. 
And um, I'm looking at him, and he's leading uh, this group of guys, and there's such an anointing there. And while I'm taking the vision, I see the other guys, and I'm like, all of a sudden, this dart of, like, the Holy Spirit's love just hits my heart. And I think there used to be a door there maybe or something. Was there a double door? And um, one of the other pastors that I was serving under that here, here locally, uh, Greg Lewis, he looks at me like, oh, no, there he goes. And uh, I get, like, thrown into this, like, love. And I came in here right there on the floor, and I'm just rolling around on the ground. And I said, oh, God, what is going on here? There's so much love and so much of the giving of lives. And, and it's like all of a sudden I, I just knew that something. And I, when the Lord said, the Sergio and I met, we come back, I was like, what in the world is going on? I don't think that one of those prayers, one of those experiences you all have, and the vision that you have will not or will go unanswered. I believe that everything that God placed in y'all, I asked the Lord, I said, what's going on with him? He said, uh, he said, uh, Steve's vision's too big. He said, because he sees a nation, he's trying to put it in a little place. <laughs> but you have, you have such a tremendous call in your life, and you both do. And then Stephen and Jennifer, and then their children, and so many other children that have been here. And I, I just want to ask you, and well, how we do this. Would y'all like extend your hands? Uh, maybe even stand up and give honor to the years of laboring in the field of the Lord and bless this couple and Stephen, Jennifer, just for their life and their love and their faithfulness. Oh, Lord, I'm so grateful to you for your servants for the service of this house, for the days of Mountain Vintage, for the days of Asheville City Center and Church, for the days of Collider, for the expansion of your kingdom. I pray that every answer request that has been made concerning the release of your power concerning this nation, but out of the house of the Lord, I pray for salvations and healings and deliverance. Oh, we bless you, Lord, that even though a seed has went in the ground and died, oh, much fruit will come forward, much fruit. Oh, and it'll be to your praise and to your glory, Lord. May you be glorified, Lord. Bless everyone. Bless them. Every pioneer and everyone who visioned your glory. Mm, unite us, Lord, and make us one as you are one with the Father. Yes, Lord. Mm, all the dreams and all the destiny. Come forth now, Lord, and let your vineyard flow out into the streets. Let the new wine come forward. Let it come forward in power, Lord. Mm. Oh, we bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Mm. Mm. Oh. Oh. 
I'm going to ask them to come down uh, here. And if you just go by and just hug them, bless them. And um, if, if y'all don't mind, just go down there and let them love on you. Let the congregation love on you. Thank you. Okay. Go. Just come around and bless them. Is um, Sergio here? Are you here? Sergio, will you, would you come down? And will you bless, bless him? He's, he's right here. He uh, has glasses on. And just love on him as well. Thank you, Lord. I'll bless you, Lord. I'll bless you, Lord. Mm, faithful, faithful, faithful are you, Lord. Faithful are you, Lord. Faithful are you, Lord.
amazing well let's just jump right into the text I had someone sit in a uh, prayer meeting this weekend Carol you just get right to the point don't you and I said well I'd like to 
All right, let's jump into it. Um, Zechariah chapter 2. Um, if you've not been with us uh, for some period of time, uh, we're going through the book of Zechariah just line by line. Uh, Holy Spirit, you know, I want you to take the congregation through this. It's fascinating in, in our midst because, um, and the way the Lord is working with us. But the, the, there's seven attributes or visions concerning Jesus in the book of Zechariah. And we are watching literally as this work unfolds. Um, and the way the Lord is moving us is matching with the book as we go. And so uh, we've been in, we spent a little bit of time in the, uh, I call it the X, but it was the structure. Uh, and maybe, can, can you put that structure up, Nathan? And then we worked through the structure, an introdu- introduction to the structure of Zechariah. Uh, and I'm, I'm not, this structure was something that the Holy Spirit just came and, and brought to me and, and showed me how this works. And so I don't imagine all of you can basically understand it, but it's sort of a uh, picture of a monarch butterfly. If you take that, the wings of it and kind of fold it down, you'll get an M. And then if you, you fold it up, and I think that was an earlier model that we had, but there's another couple little extended wings. It looks like the symbol that he had up there earlier, the, the, uh, the symbol that was in white, which um, so happens to be when we do the the blessing at the end, you'll see me put two shins together, and I'll bless you. But that's this symbol, uh, the one that's carved out right here in the middle, uh, like sort of like a spaceship. So I, I don't know if you ever thought that Zechariah had a spaceship symbol in it, but it does. In the when you go down into the narrative structure and you look at it, um, there it is. And so it kind of folds down, and it's, and I've, I've done some sermons concerning this, like in the earlier X to M's, which means exit to millennium. Uh, concerning the ensign or the banner that will be raised in the end times. And I believe this is a picture of that banner uh, that God intends to raise in the end time, the, the symbol of the, um, of the uh, there it is, of the monarch. Um, and again, go to Galactic Progeny on SoundCloud if you haven't had a chance and listen to the series that we went through on this because it'll be helpful if you want to come up to speed with where we're at today. And I, I pray that today that it wouldn't just be um, diachronic and episodic. Do y'all know these words? Maybe not. <laughs> episodic means when you go in life from episode to episode to episode. Uh, diachronic means sort of like a meta narrative or a larger view of something. And so if you really want to uh, get into where we're going as a ministry in Zechariah, you can kind of go back and listen to the, some of the sermons. If you want notes from me, I'll send you my notes. They are in SoundCloud. And you can start to see how the Lord is building with us. And then that might open up your meta-narrative a little bit uh, and, or the diachronic view because uh, these, this event today is an episode, or we call them events. The Lord said, don't call it a meeting, call it an event. And, so we're, and this event that you're in today can stand on its own as well, and meaning that the Holy Spirit's going to move in the event. You're going to experience him. You're going to be transformed through it, and you're going to learn, engage the Word of God today. So even if you're just in episodic, if, so to speak, you're still going to engage with the Word today. And uh, But if you want a larger picture, I would recommend, take some time, go to Galactic Progeny SoundCloud, listen to some of the episodes. They have a very, uh, very precise uh, understanding and pattern that the Holy Spirit logically has laid out through those 
And so I recommend that because I can't, I wish I could today just go through every episode or, you know, and, or every event and explain it. But that is not my task today. My task is to take us into uh, the, the third vision. And so we have went through the, the, uh, the structure and then we went into governor of the nations. Uh, that was vision one. And we moved through governor of the nations into avenger of the afflicted. And so he's uh, we're seeing Jesus as governor or uh, the, uh, the one who rules and governs the nations. And we're seeing how we partner in that government. And then, then we moved into avenger of the afflicted. We're seeing how he's an avenger and that he wants to take the affliction that so many of us have dealt with as God's people. And he wants to begin to remove that affliction off of us. Um, David, it says in Psalms 132, remember David in all his afflictions how he swore to the Lord. He made a vow. He made a promise and an oath that he wasn't going to go into his own house or, or give sleep to his own eyes. He wasn't, going to, he wasn't going to place his present reality as more important to him than the kingdom of God. He, he had that Matthew 5, 33, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And that when you and I go and we say... and. I'm going for the Lord, and I'm okay, and I'm going to say, do whatever he tells me to, you're going to get some affliction. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can I get an amen on that one? But the Lord's the avenger, and the Lord sees his church, and he sees his people, and he sees what you've uh, been going through, and he sees that he wanted himself to be the greatest prize to the human heart. He wanted to govern you. But he wasn't going to force you because no government of God will ever impose or manipulate your will ever. He wouldn't, he's so sweet and kind that he wouldn't do that. So he would want you to voluntarily sign up and say, I'm going for you. And over and over and over, you and I have been through affliction, right? And we've been through trials and tribulation. We've, um, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers them out of them all. Take that one. <laughs> so the avenger comes in. He says, you know what, Israel? Enough's enough. Enough's enough. I've got myself in you so much so. You look just like me. You have my Christology. You have my divine nature. You believe me. Now let's build. And today begins that. Vision number three, builder of God's city. Today, and I know we've sang the songs and we've thought it, but you know the Lord's like, I want to give this to you and I want to manifest my glory in your midst. And I've, he's had to deal with us. Our, our intention, our lack of reliability, our lack of commitment, whatever it's been, or all our commitment, I'm going to do it for him. <laughs> lack of commitment, or full commitment is not enough. It's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And the gospel of Jesus Christ that he was preaching was, if you will rest in me, I'll do it through you. So it isn't I'm more dedicated or I'm just not dedicated. No, it's him working his life in you. And that is the function of the gospel. Otherwise, you get an older brother and a younger brother. Otherwise, you get a red reality or a blue reality. And you're not that. You are a royal family. You're purple, right? You're not, you're not, you don't belong to the, I'm super dedicated. 
I'm underdedicated. <laughs> I'm a couch potato. You don't belong to that reality. You belong to the one who died for you and gave himself for you. You belong to him. And it's his construction project. Psalms, what is that, 127? You know, you labor in vain if you try to build God's house. Let the Lord build his house. So let God do this and, and let his enemies be scattered. Let him arise in you. Because no construction of God is ever going to take place by you overwilling it or underwilling it. Oh. No, it's him who wills and him who runs. It's his prerogative in you, and it's resting in him. Oh, that's the good news. It's really good news because he'll take care of you. He loves you, and he'll build something out of his glory through you. And that is the B-O-G-C, the builder of God's city. So let's look at Zechariah 2. Um, uh, vision 3, starting in verse 1. I looked again, and there was a man with a measuring line in his hand. And I asked, where are you going? <laughs> and he replied, I'm going to measure Jerusalem in order to determine its width and its length. At this point, the angelic messenger who spoke to me went out, and another messenger came to meet him and said to him, hurry, speak to this young man as follows. Jerusalem will no longer be enclosed by walls. Because of the multitude of people and the animals there. But I, the Lord, say, I will be a wall of fire. I will surround Jerusalem. And I will be the source of glory in her midst. Let's pray. Lord, I can't do this. I don't know how. But you do. So I ask you for help. I ask you for help to uh, preach your word and to say what only you would say and ask the Holy Spirit for your unction for this would bless our ears and our hearts and we would open our vision right now to see you, you the one who is the builder of your city. Yes. I ask you, Lord, that you would bring this congregation as people that are even on the uh, listening to podcasts or are streamed and the other nations that we would know what it is to just rest in your sovereign grace while you take up your construction project and build something that gives you all the glory and all the praise that you're due. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, this weekend, I was going through a gate to meet someone, and the gate guard says, hey, young man. And I was like, oh, I like you so much. I think I was older than him. <laughs> I don't know what that has to do with anything. I'm just playing. <laughs> I just was really happy about it. <laughs> you know, I was so happy because this youthful vitality begins to take over inside of our heart when the life of God and the soul of man begins to manifest his destiny out of you. <laughs> There's sort of like a it's like a glint in your eye there, Brad. 
you know, there, there's, a, there's a freshness in your uh, tone, Ann Nolan. There's a newness of life, Field Deeds, when God becomes his own fire inside of you. Uh, years ago, long time ago, and maybe I've said this before, but I don't know if you know, in the early times in the Great Awakening, thank you, Spirit of the Lord. I just thank you, because I don't know how to do this. But I think it was um, Charles Wesley, you know, the great hymn writer. I like Stevens better than Charles is right now, but, you know, some of us can listen to Charles still. You like Charles. Some of you may like Charles. I, I like Stephen. <laughs> but it was, um, I believe it was Charles Wesley had come across a track by a Scottish Episcopalian man named uh, Henry Scugel. Any y'all familiar with Scugel? He, he had written this little track, and it's called The Life of God in the Soul of Men. And, uh, and uh, Wesley got a hold of that track, and it, it, it impacted him so much that he told John about it, you know, his brother. Not John the Beloved, but he wasn't talking, well, maybe he was talking to the great cloud of witnesses, but he's talking to John about it, and they, they really got a hold of, of this picture that um, Henry Scoogle had, and, and they gave that track, Wesley gave that track to George Whitfield. Are y'all familiar with Whitfield? Yeah. Oh, man, Whitfield. <laughs> Whew, Whitfield. Whitfield running up and down the eastern seaboard and, you know, preaching in the middle of fields and no walls, exposed, exposed to the elements. People are just flocking from everywhere. It's like a God's drawing of people together. They need facilitation, need technology, they need all that. They, they're, even in that day, they were being drawn because of the presence of the Spirit of God was moving because uh, Whitfield had become uh, convinced, I believe, of what Scugel was uh, writing. Because uh, in the little track, I promptly ordered one years ago. I study all the revivalists. I'm like, if that's the way things are going, I definitely want to go that way. We, you say we're going to get a great awakening in this nation. Well, let's get one. You know, Amen. Kill the flesh. Do whatever you have to do. If your glory will come down, I want to be one of your guys, you know. And so I ordered that, that little track, and you, you, I think you probably get it off Amazon now or whatever. It's about that thick. It's not a hard read. You can read it in one sitting, but you're going to uh, partake of something that is of just such profound profundity, actually. Because Scoogle is going to say some things that we really need to hear and have needed to hear. And it, and it harkens back to this word, but we needed to hear, and he, he says this. He says, you know, and I'm paraphrasing Scoogle, you know, Christianity is not about orthodox notions and creeds. It's not, it's not just getting all the creedal statements right and the statement of faith on your uh, platform or your vision statement correct so that other people will say and vet you and say, well, that's okay. And you have the creed inside, inside of you, and that's, that's okay. But he says that's not essentially being creedal or uh, having this ritual of creed, that's not necessarily what, uh, what God's about. Now, um, let, me, let me say, does God want right doctrine? I, 
He is doctrine. <laughs> the doctrine is God. So much of the church is sided with a, a doctrinal layout with all these precision statements. And I don't know if you've ever been in the company of someone who's highly precise just doctrinally. And yet, like, where's the relationship thing going, right? I, you know, they call them the frozen chosen for a reason. <laughs> because you can be doctrinally right. Matthew 7 bears that out. Remember that? You know, they'll come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, and they'll say, hey, you know, I don't know you. But we exegeted scripture, right? And we got all this textual criticism, right? You know, we, we all are King James. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> it can be, you know, run criticism and run scholarly work and all that, and, it, and, and there's good in that. But even in, in Jesus' day, when we were looking at just right doctrine, he says to, he says to the Pharisees, because they, they didn't recognize this fire that was inside of him and this love that was pouring out of him. And um, he says, if you, if, you, if you knew my father, just, I'm paraphrasing Jesus too, <laughs> you, would, uh, you would really like me right now. You wouldn't be sitting here running textual criticism on me. You would long to be around me because I've got the Father in me and there's a, there's a dynamic of his life coming out of me. And if there's a block between me and you, he says, you know neither me nor my Father. Your Father's the devil. Try saying that to a New Testament press professor of theology at the local seminary. Now, hey, I'm seminary trained, so I'm not anti-seminary. I just... I want you to know, I went to Gordon-Conwell, and I, there was a, there's some godly people there, and so I'm not knocking the whole institution. I'm not doing that. But I want you to know that, that and Schugel said this, that it can't be primarily that, just to, you know, dotting all your T's and all your I's, and that that's how we're going to get this thing going. And, uh, and so many, uh, myself, have been, and others have been so oriented towards that kind of mindset. And if I could get all these things right and be more diligent and make this thing happen, I'll finally be approved of by God. And all that, all that is, is the appeal to might. And I, I can say this and I can deal with this because the father's dealt with me extensively on this. I'd love to lay out 47 paradigms and 18 different algorithms and look at all these different concepts and measure all these different, use all these different tools. That's me. I love it. I love analytical work and algorithmic work and all the different concepts. And, you know, there'll be no more walls. <laughs> the Lord's wanting to come in and, like, blow past our paradigm. So Schugel says that. He said, it's not an orthodox notion in creedal statements. But then he goes to the uh, charismatic church too. And uh, all the dancing and hype and all the flipping and flopping and rolling around and uh, acting like dogs and all that stuff. Well, they, I don't know if they were doing that. I know they were in Jonathan Edwards' day. He goes over there and he says, ah, it's also not just necessarily with God in your emotions and in the flights of the spirit and all these ecstatic experiences. 
your angelic encounters and, you know, your second heaven realities and all that, right? And, I mean, he really digs on that, too, because uh, so, much of, uh, so much of the church said, well, we know it's not like that, but it's loose as a goose like that, and it must be. And uh, Skugel said, no. You know, and I could spend a lot of time over there. I could spend a lot of time on the other side, you know, don't be drunk in wine where it's in excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Skugel, he, he said this, and I, and I believe that the mark of all awakening is this. He said, true Christianity is this. It's the union of God in the soul of men. I mean, you know, the affliction of the, the avenger of the afflicted, that whole thing, you know why the affliction, right? It's because I place my walls up and put my trust in my own fabricated understanding and the Lord comes in and he starts messing with all of it. Has he been not messing with you? <laughs> and he, he comes across my barrier and comes into my reality and um, for the most part, you know, I'm like... Who are you, Lord, and get away from me? I don't know if you've done that. I have. I'll just admit it. Because he comes in, and he doesn't necessarily feel like we, maybe we wanted to feel. It's, like, it's not a feel-good thing, and it's not an intellectual thing. It's, he's, um, he's God who is love. He's essentially loving. And, and, uh, and so he's like, let me come in. And I'm, no, I'm vacated. I'm, I feel insecure right now. Let me come in and let me um, be a fire inside of you. Let me take down all of your pretension and all of your constructs that you've built and let me just come on in and build myself a city inside of you. You are a, you are a royal people, a holy what? I mean, anybody ever go around calling yourself a nation? I mean... I am the United States of America. You know, I am. <laughs> How are you doing? What's your name? United States of America. <laughs> what? what is wrong with you? You know, I'm a royal people, a holy nation. I want to uh, get my tools to work, and I want to get up inside uh, and start a construction project inside of you. Now I'm wanting to uh, blast out all and do this. Jeff was saying this. I want to run a demo plan on your internal being, and uh, I want to lay a, uh, I want to lay the constellations of the heavens inside of your soul. I already fabricated you this way. I fabricated you for me, and I'm going to remove everything and demolish everything that doesn't look like me. But what happens when the Lord finally gets a capstone inside of you? <laughs> what happens when the stone that the builders rejected is no longer being rejected inside of you? Now God can build. And that, that is the testimony of today. The 5th of February, 2023, I found me a people. I found me a people that I can, I can build with. And I'm going to stretch out the measuring line. Hey, it's time to expand. Um. Look at this with me, uh, Psalms chapter 4, verse 1. You're going to love this. 4-1. When I call out, answer me. 
Hey, listen, I, I heard this guy say it overseas. I think it was Bishop Tudor Bismarck. I don't know if y'all have heard. He's a, he's a wild man. But he's like, put a demand on the Spirit of God. Well, you can't do that. You have to be polite to him. I don't know. I don't know. The father I've been getting to know is sort of like, just say it like it is, man. <laughs> you know, like confrontational. Won't you just, won't you just tell me what you want or what you want to see? And I, so won't you, uh, homo legeo, won't you say the same thing you're seeing me say? Won't you just come up here, stick your chest out? I kind of like that. And just listen to what he says. Hey, when I call out, answer me. <laughs> you know, there's a boldness right there. And there's a boldness that needs to come up in this generation that um, God's placed something inside of you, and, a, and you felt it this morning, but a boldness that rises up in you and you say, I need an answer. It's okay. Listen, let me tell you. I've found that the Lord likes that way more, and I get my prayers answered way more like that than I don't know if he cares about me. I don't know if he's going to do anything. He loves boldness. He loves courage. And so you, you come to the Lord, put your head down. Sadie was saying, I think I mentioned last week, she was at the school, and uh, everybody's bowing her head. Sadie lifts up her eyes, thanks the Lord for the meal, and they're like, Sadie, you can't do that. And she said, the Lord did. The Lord lifted up his eyes and prayed, and, you know, 20,000 people got fed. You might want to start doing that. You know, it's not the beatdown. It's not, I don't know if he cares about me. You see what I mean? There's a boldness. Rise up, answer me. You're the God who vindicates me. Though I've been hemmed in, you're going to lead me into a wide open place. Sound familiar to Zechariah? There'll be no walls. Though I've been hemmed in, I, one of the pastors I used to serve under when I was in overseas missions, I remember so distinctly him using this because they were over there expanding the gospel and trying to take territory for the king. And I, I remember him using this. I've never forgot it. He says, you know, son, when you get hemmed in on every side, man, you stand your ground. You know, it'll feel like it's closing in on you. And you're like, I know my God. I know my God. And, I'm, and something rises up in you. And, you know, it first starts down and it starts to build up. And you're just like proclaiming the word of the Lord over that situation saying, the promises of God are yes and amen. And I declare it. And boom, you will see an answer every time. Now, we've got so uh, trembling in that place. Okay. It's better. You know, the word said. I don't, you know. It's in the front of your mind, and then it goes to the back of your mind, if you know what I mean. When you're believing the Lord to bring a breakthrough, that, boom, I need expansion. You were made for that. You were made to see an expansion in your families. This isn't happening anymore. I'm not putting up with it. I stand my ground, and I'm not going to put up with it. And yeah, I might be just, but you're going to be a fire, and you're going to break through. And you're going to do something I can't do, and I'm not backing off my position until you do. And you know how he is. He'll run you right up to the edge with nothing to go on because he wants you to trust him, to know that he is faithful and that he's going to come through. I think so many times, many of us have missed the expansion of the king, the, the movement of the king because we come up to the edge. I know I've, I've done this right up to the edge, and we pull off. And it was just one more step, and boom. And I'll, I'll tell you, you know, people don't like that. I say, well, God shouldn't treat us that way. Well, I'm telling you, he's this way. 
He wants you with boldness in your heart, the promise he placed inside of you, and he wants to construct something with you, and he wants to take you to the next potentiality. He wants you to break through for your family. He wants you when you've been knocked down, you feel like you can't get up again, Christine Williams. He wants you to stand up, look up to heaven from whence cometh your help, my help cometh from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth, and say, I stand on the promise of God, and I'm not backing off of it. And he says, I'll be a fire. I'll change this structural wall that's a limitation for you, and I will be a fire inside of you. I'll do something for you. I want a tabernacle with you. I want union with you. And it, that's what happened in the Great Awakenings. Men of God, women of God started to say, just like you are here, I'm not putting up with this anymore. I'm not going to live in that diminished caste society I am a child of the Lord. I am of the royal family, and I will not bow my knee to any of these systems anymore. I'm done with it. And you know what happens? People begin to awaken, and they begin to say, I'm done with it. I'm done with the blue and the red. I'm royal. I'm done with it. I'm not putting up with it, and I ask you for wisdom. I saw it in worship this morning, flaming mims, and I said, what did the world, Lord, a flaming mim? He said, because they have me, king, over the water, over their circumstances. They will reign victorious and do reign victorious with me now. Present tense. You're the one who vindicates me. You vindicated us, avenger of the afflicted, the one who vindicates us. Now, now in the construction project here, BOGC, Builder of God's City, let's lay the framework. I'm hemmed in. Okay, so what? I'm hemmed in on every side. Lead me into a wide open place. I need your guidance. I can't do this. Kara and I have moved. Tomorrow we'll be in our seventh house in 21 days. And it has been fascinating and difficult. <laughs> but every time we'll go into this new thing, he said, come and follow me. I'll take care of you. Do you believe me? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> We're sitting here. Nobody knows. I'm not asking for anything. I'm not trying to derive anything from anybody. I'm sitting here in the moment. The Father demonstrates his blessing. And I found, I'm finding something out. I'll tell you this very personally. Those who rest are blessed. You know what I've learned to do? If I'm all like pressure, you know, because it's real. You know, the Lord's like, go. <laughs> Get them out there. Figure it out. You know, you're going to walk with me or you're not. It's like, and he's so good in it. He's loving. It's not mean. He's like the little... Eagle's got to fly. Fly. Fly like the wind. <laughs> you know, I'm going to hit the deck. You're going to hit the deck. You're going to hit the deck. Throw the emergencies. Get the emergency essential. Fire up the other engine. And the only way the engine will work, you know, I flew jets, but the only way the thing will work is you got to take a nap. <laughs> I'm like, stick me with something. <laughs> Oh, and the Lord comes through every time. The Lord wasn't sweeping on that boat because, right? That was the way the kingdom works. You know, it's like, no, oh, I should be doing something. Shouldn't I be doing something? I should be doing something. <laughs> I'm not doing anything. I should be. The uh, Lord's like, no, take a nap. <laughs> Let me do it for you. Man, boom, release. I'm, we're living in it. I can't do it. I can't fix it. I can't make it happen. He's like, hey, 
you got it in the forefront of your mind how are you going to take care of this. Uh, you're trying to build some kind of construct in your mind. Stop, stop. I can't help it. Lord. My mind's doing it without me operating my mind. <laughs> it goes to the back of your mind. Do you know what I mean? It goes to the back of your mind. It's sitting there, and you're trying to ignore it. I'm ignoring it. I'm ignoring it. No, it's real. <laughs> I'm ignoring it. Go to sleep. Go take a nap. I told the kids one time, we had got pinned into a corner on a vacation. Kara wanted to go on. I had no money. The Lord's like, wait, uh, tell all the kids go to sleep and go lay down. Because in quietness and rest, you know, I was reading it in Isaiah. I said, everybody's going to bed. Two of them didn't. But, you know, they were quiet. We all fell asleep. I wake up. We can't leave the place because I have no gas and I have no food. And Kara set a demand on she wants to go to this really nice place. You know, and uh, I've got a podcast called Kitty Hawk Way. And, and I'm like, what do I do? He's like, take a nap. What are you guys worried about? What do you think? I'm not going to take care of you. And I'm wake up and I'm over there and I'm looking at Elizabeth. Her pretty little eyes are looking at me. And we're just talking. And right in the moment, no request, whatever, 500 bucks comes to my account. Bing. I had forgot we even had a need. And I said, learn this by the spirit. This over-attention of the wall, the over-attention of the need is trapping us into an idea that, of a reality that we don't even have to live in. They live in so underprivileged when we were, we're the king's uh, sons and daughters, royal family. We don't have to live with a concept like that. I have so many wonderful things for, for you. Uh, you know, plans for you to prosper you. <laughs> We've heard that so many times, but it's real that he has something good. And it's just like, just trust me, Stephen. Just trust me in my expansion of building inside of you. I want to build something in you. Let, your, let it go. Let your concepts go. Let me define reality for you based out of the heavens. You know, sheep here, but kings see. Kings and queens see. He told me that. You know, my sheep hear my voice, but... I'm wanting to bring you, and I'm, this is what I'm going to pray for you today. And, I, and many of you are doing this, but I, I got this sense that a lot of people are like, I hear the voice of God, but I haven't seen the kingdom. Now, I want to tell you, because I'm one of these people, he's given me a vision to be able to see his kingdom. I can see it now. I'm teaching my children how you can see the kingdom all around you. And, and uh, I've done podcasting for you all on this, you know, because I want you to, to understand it that you can pick up objective proofs of heaven, of an unseen reality, and bring and translate it into now. And you can live like this. You can live not according to the, your raising or past, whether you were you know, raised in whatever, whatever. It doesn't matter. And you come into this deep relationship with a father. He's like, I'm your wall. I'm your definition. I'm your God. I'm, your, I'm the one that's given reality to you, not anyone else, not... Though what all these voices are trying to tell us something else, no. Let's stand together. I'm, I'm the reality. Yes. Yes. I'm the builder. I'm the maker. Abram was dealing with this. He, he had vision in his life. God had given him a promise just like he's given you. I've only done this for a little while, 14 years of pastoring, maybe 10 years of just really direct leadership. And I'll tell you, a lot of people, they have these promises, but they're sort of like... Um, 
they're just sitting there with them, but they're not making the necessary step. And we think the necessary step is more diligence. No, it's not. It's not more diligence. It's, it's, um, it's looking and gazing upon the Lord. <laughs> and it's saying, what do you say about me? And then it's saying, you know what? I believe it. And I'm not, I'm not changing my position on this. And I'm not, and, and you want reality. You don't want just heaven in the heavens as some ethereal thing. You want heaven on the earth. And you want it to come through me. Um, you, you're the people of God who do great exploits. Well, let the fire burn of awakening. You know, just let it, let him burn inside and say, oh man, I'm going but uh, all the promises of God are yes and amen. I'm going to say yes, and I'm going to say amen. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say, if you said it, I'm going to see it. God said, he said, I said, let there be light. And then it says, and he saw that it was good. And he saw light. You, the sons and daughters of God, are meant to shrink space time and say something and see it. Hey, I understand because um. I understand this because I've been doing this for years and I get it and I'm living in it. So I'm not up here preaching something that our family's not in the middle of and I'm going to tell you. Let me tell you how, how it works. If you overly fixate on the promise itself, you'll never see it come to pass. The only way you'll ever see it come to pass is when you over fixate on the promiser. You're just caught up in him and in the relationship. You know, somebody's, how does this work? I was like, it's all relationship with the Father. It's you get so caught up in it, and then you're sort of surprised. The promise that he gave me just came to pass. And you're like, how did that happen? It's kind of like that. You're just overwhelmed by his goodness because you're like, I couldn't do it myself. Let us not have a, a fixation on the promise itself, but the one who is the one who gives the promise. That's what's happening. And that's why we worship well, we worship him because he deserves it. And that transaction happens, and it does happen. And I'll tell you, today is the mark of that transaction happening of a people right here that believe the Lord and a people that were with them that believe the Lord for this city. And yeah, you could say, yeah, but it took 11 years. Okay, but they still trusted the Lord. And you know what? There's been a space-time shrink that's happened today because mark the word that what they had visioned and seen by the Lord will come to pass. Don't give up. Don't give up. Hold the line. Right now, right now, I pray in uh, this room the release of the understanding of the things of the Spirit that you would see, that your mind and your heart would see what heaven is saying concerning you. And that when you know it, that you wouldn't second guess it, that you would hold the line on it and you would say, that came to me from the Lord. And if somebody else says, nope, that's not the Lord, that you will say, nope, nope, nope. I don't care what anybody else says about it. I don't care what my own mind says about it. I'm holding my ground. Oh, no, I'm holding because you're the fire. You're the one. And don't let the Father enjoy you. Let it be in the joy of the Father over you. Oh, I'm, I'm not like you, Lord. You said that you were going to do this. You said you'd give us a whole nation if we just believe you and trust you. Well, let it be so. Let, let, let God be true and every man be a liar. 
Let the word of God that's in you prevail and dwell richly inside of you and don't let it go. Yeah, is it impossible? Absolutely. Absolutely impossible. But my eyes, my eyes, my eyes are fixed on the Lord. And fix your eyes now. As Stephen leads us in worship and we have communion, go ahead and um, come up together and we'll take communion together. Fix your eyes on the Lord. You're the fire down your life, and you find it, and you find it. Stephen and I, we, we run a debrief usually every week together. And he said something interesting to me, and I really believe he carries the heart of a lot of us. Um, and you can tell that in his worship leading, that he's carrying a heart. But he said something to me, and the Lord just reminded me of it. He said, you know, I don't have a problem believing for you, Carol, and who you are in the Lord. I have no problem with it. You know what my issue is? And I said, what, Stephen? He said, I can't believe he selected me that he wants me. And he had this huge encounter with the Lord this week. It's such a blessing to hear about. Maybe you could talk to him sometime. 
about how the Lord comes in and convenes on him and says, I've chosen you. I picked you. And uh, one thing I was looking at these, uh, my notes was, he said, the purpose of the measurer was so that we would be able to see and and to see the length and the breadth, uh, to see uh, multidimensionally. The the purpose of the measuring line that's been drawn out in Zacharias to open your vision to heaven. But I tell you something that you really need. You need just like what he experienced. We all need this. Um, I, I was telling him, you got it, man. You, you got it because if you'll believe the word of God that's spoken concerning you, you, that he selected you, um, that he elected you, that's what's pushed me through everything I've been through. I said, you know what? You said this about me. But it sounds sort of like, you know, individual. He said, oh, I like you a lot. He's telling me on the stage this morning about wrecked me. I love you so much. I was like, I love you too. You know? No, he loves you. Yeah. No, but he likes you too. He likes you in your weakness. He likes you in your strengths. He likes you the way you are. He And he's just wanting to come and hang out with you. And it's okay. Listen, this is so important. And I want, I want you to say this to the Lord. You don't have to say it louder. You can. He selected me. Yeah. He's elected you for himself. Oh, it's a powerful reality to be loved. I had someone tell me one time, they said, Carol, you threw out the baby, the bath water, and deconstructed the whole entire bathtub and demolished the house. I was like, I was like, I just want to be loved. I don't care. I can't take it anymore. I can't be the guy that gets all my affection because I'm going to perform right and then feels lack of affection because I underperform. I can't deal with it. I want to be loved. And I'll tell you, it's been that that's held me. It's not been dedication because I want to give up so many times. It's not been any of it. It's just been that the Father loves. And he's just like, I love you. And it's, oh, man, I can do this again. Somebody said, you know, it's a sacrifice. No, it's not. It's no sacrifice when you're loved. (laughs) When he loves you, there's no sacrifice too great. There's no offering too magnificent. It's just Oh man, somebody cares about me. I'm going to tell you that selection, that pre, that predilection towards your election is everything. Let that, you know, and Stephen said, I said, you got it. You got it, man. Now you just believe who he says you are and you act like you believe it. That's called trust. No, no. He talked to me like this. He said, this is who I am. I'm going to act like I believe it. And everything else is going to have to come in alignment with that. I'm not putting up with another reality in my life. I'm not going to give in to a false narrative uh, that someone else has placed on me or I've even placed on myself. I have a narrative that comes from the Father to me. Release the Lord your love. Release it. Release it. Greater on you. Greater affection. Greater grace on your person. This is why he went to the cross, I believe it, to demonstrate his love towards us, that even while we were sinners, Christ died for us, took the bread, he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Oh, and great grace, shouts of grace, grace, And this is the blood of the new covenant, new, not old covenant, 
a new covenant, a new wineskin, and a, a new wine, which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The Father's predilection is your election. He predetermined you and loves you and delights in you. And may the Lord bless you. And may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you forevermore. Amen. Bless you today. the night.